Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Heck, but problems with technology tonight, right across the board. Oh, we love it, but we hate it at the same time, don't we? Anyway, how are you all tonight? It's lovely to see you. I hope we get the uh, words sorted out. <laughs> oh, it's a job we knew with that one. So, um, like, uh, like Danny said in the welcome, um, it's part and continuing our theme, getting to know Q. Um, we want to everybody who comes in to know exactly what makes us who we are. And last week, we talked about going beyond Jesus um, and how we understand Christ in all things leads to an awakened heart and seeing what we uh, coined in a phrase as a Christ-soaked world. I mean, that's a fantastic statement and no doubt we'll look at that a little bit more as we go along. But there's a, a phrase, I don't know whether it's up there yet, it's fantastic, to believe in a new reality This is conversion. The church's purpose is to make visible this new reality. So what is this new reality? We talked about it last week. It's Christ in you. Um, But somehow uh, we've lost sight. And when I say we've, I'm talking in general. We've lost sight of that and believed the lie of separation instead. And that has encouraged us to, to draw lines of separation And Q is on a quest to get rid of those lines. Who wants to get rid of some lines of separation? I think we all do, because it's what causes a lot of trouble, isn't it, in the world? So, now, the idea of separation comes as a result of dualistic thinking. Now, some cultures are more prone to this. The West being more affected than the East. And this often comes as the result of evolving language. We don't realise how language has a lot to do with how we come to meaning of words and then how we come to our understanding. Now, language helps us define things to make life easier. We like that, don't we? It labels and it categorises, but it also can be guilty of creating a gulf between one thing and another. It separates in the way we think about words and what they mean. For example, when we in English say, a thing doesn't matter, what do we mean? Now, we usually mean that we're saying that what we've just experienced is immaterial, because the opposite of matter is immaterial, or of no substance, or it's just unimportant. And we live in a world where we are obsessed with the material, what is seen, 
what we have and what we don't have is what seems to matter. And therefore, what we don't see doesn't matter. But is this true? Isn't our current mental health situation proof that just because a thing doesn't matter, it has no power over what we feel? Therefore, we've got to understand that language or English language doesn't make space for that understanding. Another example is the word empty or nothing. Those words imply the lack of substance uh, or material. But if only we could make visible the empty, the nothing, we see that the empty is full of something. It's an invisible form just waiting for the opportunity to burst into life. We would then associate the word empty with potentiality and possibility. Now, isn't that very different than when we say, oh, nothing or empty? And that's probably more the truth. Now, other languages give space for this possibility, and maybe we'll talk about that another time. So what we do, our language creates division. So we have a dividing line between physical and spiritual. We have a dividing line between visible and invisible. We have a dividing line between creator and created. We have a line between heaven and earth, holy and profane, good and bad, black and white, us and them, and on it goes, right? So I started sort of from the top coming down, but the problem is, should that line be there in the first place? We have come to believe that there is a great separation between things and can be tempted to believe that one is better or greater than the other. And then we're forced to choose between them rather than understanding that it's all one and there is an indivisible bond between them all. And we must waken by faith to this oneness rather than trying to transcend the chasm we believe exists. Now, religion has, hasn't helped us in this because it seems to have supported the separation idea. And it steps in and it creates a way of bridging this perceived gap created by our language. We're told, even if we look at scripture, don't store your treasure on earth, but in heaven. What is that but creating a separation? One is better than the other. We're told we should set our hearts on things above and not below. And some of you will relate to some of these things we were told. We were told that the world and our flesh is evil. And so ultimately, we are doomed. We are going to hell, as they say, in a handbasket. But if you ever thought about sitting in a handbasket, going to hell, that doesn't seem very comfortable to me at all. It's a strange way of thinking about it. But most of you have heard the phrase, we told of a holy God that cannot have anything to do with sinful humanity. So when we live in a world driven by separation theology, the result is a desire to escape because a doomed earth and a life that is driven by fear and that we can never quite meet the challenge of is not very a nice uh, place to be. So we're also told that no man 
can serve two masters. And we're often told that that's to do with the separation of serving money or serving desire. But how about you can't serve two masters in the context of separating spiritual and physical? If you're going to serve the spiritual, you're always going to want to be chasing something else and you'll think one is bad rather than finding a way to unite the two and become one. So how many of us have become slaves to a belief that somehow we have to attain something other than what we are? But here's the good news. Just some good news. There is no gap. There is no separation. Reconciliation, that's part of our English language. It's a word we use is a powerful word. And we're told that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now that's a different story. He brought everything together. And tonight we trust that we can begin this journey of re reconciling that which we have separated in order that we can understand the oneness and that line can be removed. Now, some of the films we've used tonight, I hope you get them because we've used them more to show the negative than we have the positive, but I hope you'll get them because, well, it's something to talk about anyway, isn't it? And uh, this first, are we ready for that now? It is Hercules, isn't it? So I didn't bring my setup, it is Hercules. Sorry. Um, it's from Hercules and it's absolutely amazing. And I remember when I watched this, it's, it, it's great and I love it. But in fact, what it does is actually, uh, it, it gives credit and it, what's the word when you, yes, it, it affirms. It affirms the lie of separation in this clip that we are trying to pull down tonight. So thank you. Well, some, some might think it's a little strange for us to use um, a story from Greek mythology in what is a Christian church environment to try and illustrate the points that we want to make most strongly. But the reason we've done that is that um, in this story from Greek mythology, it highlights the same problems and issues that are pretty much throughout all religion. It points a finger at our humanity being a problem. So whether, whether you perceive that to be Hercules to his father Zeus, which I think is a myth, but it nevertheless points the problem that his father says really the problem is his humanity and somehow he must escape his humanity in order to embrace his divinity. And that lie permeates all religion. Somehow that we have to prove ourselves worthy before we can attain the place that we so desperately want to be as sons of God, as those connected with the divine. And so just like in this story of Hercules, which is why I would propose to you, uh, and it scared me, you know, I'll be 64 this year, I can't believe that, it's got to be a lie, somebody's not telling the truth. But the more in my life I have become scared to realise how much of what we call Christian doctrine is permeated with mythological viewpoints from pagan religions 
because our views of God have been carried through and very often those views and therefore how we respond to them are not the God of the Bible, they're not the Abba of Jesus, they are a construct because of something I'll show you in the next section that I talk in. Listen, our humanity is not the problem, our perception of the division between us in our humanity and God in his divinity becomes the problem and when we can get to grips with that then we realise there is a connection that touches us all. See the problem is if we in this humanity think that we have to prove ourselves worthy before we can be one again with God and I would suggest to you that the Christian gospel as I have preached it for many many years suggested that was not necessary and it's a wonderful story, you know, we, we, we come in because of forgiveness through the sacrifice of Jesus, which I believe, but it's strange how once you got in, how worth and worthiness then became measured, and words like that, that, that bounce around the church like holiness and sanctification and righteousness become things that you have to achieve and you have to live by and then there's a division of judgments those who are holy and those who are not holy terms that we use those who are spiritual and those who are worldly and we had all these lines of division that somehow then paints an image of God that unwittingly we have not realised we have again made him someone who has to be pleased with us in order for us to have any worthiness and of course if your humanity is like my humanity you increasingly come to the sense that there's nothing you could ever do to make yourself worthy enough to perceive that God the divine, the God of heaven would embrace you not only as a son but as his friend and bring you into relationship and fellowship so, so, so we try to perform our way into things and we try to perform our way out of things. Now let's forget Christianity, let's forget Greek mythology, let's forget Islam, let's forget any religion at the moment and let me tell you something about you. Most of the time you are trying to perform yourself into things and you're trying to perform yourself out of things. And that's why it doesn't work because it's always a performance. You try to perform yourself into acceptance, into value, sometimes with yourself. If I just did this better, if I just put more effort into this, do you realise you're trying to perform yourself into something, into worthiness and you'll never get there? And we try to perform ourselves out of things or the judgement won't be on me if I'm a better person. You know, I, 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 I'll be welcome and I'll be, I'll be not rejected if I'm a better person. But it all becomes performing our way in and out of things. So in life, wherever we imagine a line that separates or creates a box that contains, we will create an illusion that will damage us and others and anything or organisation to which we become attached, which by the very use of that word attached suggests separation because if you're going to have attached you must have detached and so even our terminologies we are so caught up in lines of division and separation. When you see the, the, the issue is one with is the ultimate desired state of all creation. One with myself, one with God, one with each other, one with the world, one with 
is the desire and the expression, true expression of the, of the kingdom of God. But that can never come, become a reality until we remove or cover the line between. While ever you see a line of separation between you and whomever and whatever, you will never experience wholeness. Now I would suggest to you from the last two weeks that Christ is the substance that dissolves the lie of separation between man and God and all things and we'll say a little bit more about that later. Proud of me kids. Not bad eh? Can you just put that uh, first still slide up, Robert? Don't put the um, don't put the loop up yet. Okay, I just want to want to preface this a little bit with um, I I am very rarely nervous doing this. It doesn't bother me. You know, I I can get up in front of two, ten, a thousand, ten thousand. It, it just when I do get nervous is occasionally when I know that something within what is being said is so specifically important to the moment that I get nervous that what I have to say might mask the importance of of what needs to be conveyed or the revelation that you need to grasp and this is one of those moments so I hope my words don't detract from what you need to hear from what I'm about to say, which relates to our subject tonight. Let me also say that um, when I... This image came over Facebook some weeks ago. And um, when we met on Tuesday for our planning, what are we going to do on Sunday, I felt critically that this was important. We had some long conversation and discussion about it. What's been fascinating since then is the number of times that this has occurred. There was an article uh, in The Sun yesterday about this that was about somebody on the BBC and then Kev Craven sent a thing and said, you're not going to believe what a friend of mine has just sent me, WhatsApp to me, and it was this very thing and it's just kept coming up. So, so please, for some of you... If you can get just this principle in your spirit, forget about what I say if you want, but get this principle in the spirit, it will save your life. Now, also I want to say I'm not being, I'm not being dramatic when I say that. I remember even one occasion some years ago when I felt that same nervousness and I was talking about about the children of Israel and I was talking about Jesus in the desert and I was talking about how, how 40 days determine 40 years of the person's life and I said in that moment, I said, for some of you the next 40 days will determine the next 40 years. I wish I could share with you the stories of decisions that were made in those 40 days that I knew would happen. So today what I'm trying to say is this is critical, please listen, please get a hold of it. So, so this, this, um, this, this is the start picture. Now, our Danny, bless his heart, has done a wonderful uh, loop video because I want, I want you to see what happens there. We have two boxes and what appears to be a line in between. Just run it back, Robert. Just, just go back to the slide, that'll help. Go back to the slide a minute. Can you see, what are those two different colours that you see there? 
And you see we've got what, what is near enough white on the bottom and grey on the top. So we would all agree that they are two different colours. Those boxes, they are two boxes and there appears to be a line between the two boxes. Now, now remember they're two different colours but watch what happens when you remove the line of separation. When you stop them being boxes, watch what happens. There you go, look. The truth is, and this is the truth, they are not two different colours. They are both exactly the same colour. And it is only when you introduce a line of separation that distinguishes the clarity of the boxes that then you think that you're seeing something that you're not actually seeing but the truth is you think you were really seeing a grey box and a white box when the truth is you weren't. But you'll say, but I was. It's obvious. One's grey, one's white. No, it's what's called an optical illusion. And it shows how our brain differentiates between information in ways that can lead us to a conclusion that is simply not true. And wherever there is a line of division, when you think there's a line between you and God, it will lead you to conclusions that are simply not true and that will define your life. When you think there is a difference between a white man and a black man, a white woman and a black woman, it will lead you to conclusions that are simply not true because we're all human beings and we're all the same. But you see, it's the line of separation and whenever we put that into life, whenever we put things into boxes, our brain gives us information that we absolutely would swear is the truth, but it's not true. It's been created because somewhere in there, there is a line of separation. It shows us how when we introduce the idea of lines of separation, or we put things into boxes, we see something that looks visibly and very, very, very fiably true, when really it isn't. Now here's the problem, we like nothing more than to draw lines and create boxes and affix labels in life because we think it simplifies things and makes it manageable when the truth is it doesn't. What does make life manageable is when we remove the labels, when we get rid of the boxes when we remove the lines, all of a sudden we see that there is something flowing through life that unites life and makes life one with the Creator that brings us to the place that we were always supposed to be. Wherever we apply or imagine a line of division or separation or box things, which we always try to do and like to do so we can label and categorize them, we create the difference that we see. We create the difference that we see. We create the unworthiness that we feel. We create the uselessness that we perceive. We create the lostness that we experience. We create the emptiness that we sense. We create that because of the line that we put in. Now, now here again is, is where Q might be a little bit different because... What tends to happen is anything that wants to operate 
institutionally and empirically as an organization relies on the power of lines and boxes. If you're not in our stream of belief, if you don't accept this, if you don't understand, see, if I can get you convinced about this serious line between you and God, guess what? You need me more than you realize. And you need structure more than you realize because now your faith is not in someone out there. It's in the guru who can help you because there's this line of separation. Now here's where fools like me in ministry make the stupid mistake because when we teach you there is no line, you don't need me or this in the same way that you used to do it because now you have a freedom. Now my hope is that you will want this, not need it. But you will want this to celebrate that there is no line of division. There are no boxes. We've taken away the labels. And now in the flow that we have, we can reach a world because it's not them and us. We're not in and out. See, you can spend your life arguing over and defending your belief that the squares are a different colour. And we've all done that in life. Or you can yield to the truth that there is no line of separation and you so maybe if that line is gone, maybe what I think I see, I do not see. And that when I yield to the truth that in Christ removes the separation, I will see that he is in all things and I am one not only with God, but one with all things. Now, as you watch the next video, you will see in Monsters, Inc. how a child's sock on the back of an imaginary monster creates panic and a whole unnecessary process of decontamination that ultimately only ends in the destruction of a child's sock. Most of what we classify of religion is that stupid. And any doctrine or gospel of separation finishes up being that stupid. We are not destroying stock socks here tonight. We're trying to get you to realize that that's a stupid thing and come to the fullness of life. Oh, I found it interesting, the, uh, <clears throat> the opening phrase of that clip is the path of God. And he can't see anything. Um... I don't want to use words like, I'm sorry that that's the way it is, because that would be like being second-guessing second guessing God. <laughs> but that is the way it is, and it's the way it is for a reason. And it's the way it is because it needs the line of separation between the seen and the unseen, the visible and the invisible, what we would call the divine and the natural, removing for you to truly step out onto what Indy there said is the path of God. There's amazing scripture in Hebrews 11 that says, now faith is the substance of things that we hope for, the evidence of what we can't see. And this was a verse that I think it's up on the slide there. By faith we understand 
that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which were seen were not made of things which are visible. That's a strange statement. If any of you would take the time to read anything about quantum physics, you would realise that the Bible's not as stupid as some people think that the Bible is. In fact, the Bible had got the jump on quantum physics before we ever knew quantum physics was a thing because we understand that that which is seen comes from that which is not visible, that, that our whole world is full of hidden forms, and that sounds weird, but what I'm really saying to you is, is that one of the lines we've put is that we only rely on that which we see, and because we only rely on that which we see, we govern our natural feelings by that, and we come to what we had in the middle bit, which is we think that there's a grey box and a white box, and I'm probably in the grey box, and we'll never get in the white box until you realise that that line is removed. I believe it's dissolved. That line is dissolved in a revelation of the Christ. See, see... I was always taught Jesus was a bridge, but of course, if Jesus has to be a bridge, there's still a line of separation. When, when I think that, that the line is dissolved in Christ, it's a revelation, not going to go deep into that because we just haven't, haven't got time tonight. But what I want you to grasp is part of that line that has to be removed is your understanding that the seen and the unseen, the visible and the invisible are all one and that actually all around you and within you and about you and for you there is something that the quantum physicists call possibility or potentiality. that we are no longer lost beings in a lost world floating across a lost universe with no purpose, but actually we are people who belong. You see, here's what Paul suddenly realized. He said, hey, I've got it. There is no difference between Greeks and Jews, Gentiles and Jews. There's no difference between slaves and free men. There's no difference between rich and poor but we're all one in Christ. So Christ comes to break that division, not just the idea that I'm unworthy and, and somehow God might accept me, but to break down the whole division of separation, every line that is there, to help you to understand that when that is dissolved, the invisible and the visible begin to work together and we live a realm where we're always surrounded by and walking in potentiality and possibility. That's why Jesus, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, without ever doing a doctorate in quantum physics, says, with God all things are possible. All things are possible to him who believe. Because Jesus was saying, around you, within you, about you is possibility. Now, because the problem is, how do I shift myself, which is not a physical thing, but shift my mind, my thinking, my heart, to the realisation of that possibility that is around me, in me, for me, that God in you, Christ in you, that brings hope. How, how do I shift to that? Well, really quickly, let me tell you one thing. The Virgin Mary. Whatever you think of that story, the truth is, the great revelation of the story of the Virgin Mary is not that she gave birth to Jesus. That is wonderful, and it's real, and I actually personally believe it, but, but that's not the real miracle of Mary's story. The real miracle is this, Mary's great contribution to our journey is in handing on the fruit of her yes 
and inviting us to offer our own yes. You see, whatever came out of Mary, the fruit of Mary, which happened to be Jesus, a physical manifestation of the Christ, whatever came out of her was the result of one thing. It was actually the fruit of her yes. And so the contribution Mary made to our journey, actually even more important than the fact that she was the mother of Jesus, the contribution she made to us was to say, look, what can be the fruit of your yes? And you see, the fruit of my yes is the dissolving of the line of separation that allows all that was unseen to suddenly become seen in an arena where you had nothing else to stand on other than you just believe that if you could remove that line, something would come in you and through you and be part of you and flow from you that would forever change your life and forever change the life of the world. We're all Marys in here tonight. We're all highly favoured because there's no line of separation. We're all loved. That same possibility rests with all of us. And Mary's lesson was, look, here's my contribution to your journey. Look what can be the fruit of your yes. And I believe it's that yes from the heart. It's that yes from deep down inside to say to to God, to you, to Christ, to the unseen, to get rid of the line. I give a big yes and I'm saying yes from my heart because I want that line completely dissolved so that I can then begin to see the flow which brings a fruit, which that fruit in Mary was Christ. Now I've realised something, let me finish with this. That many of you need someone to tell you, if you believe or do this, you will experience or receive that. Now I know some of your stories, I know where some of you go, and I know what you're looking for. You're looking for somebody to say, if you'll rest in this way, if you'll think this way, if you'll meditate this way, if you'll let me tap you here or tap you there, if you'll do this, then when that happens, you will receive X. And guess what? Most of the time you do. You know why? Because you believed what you were told. And the tap is just a tap. And the meditation is just a meditation. And the reflection is just a reflection. And the water's just the water. But you believed that something would happen with that catalyst. Well, I'm going to tell you something tonight. The catalyst of the yes to God. Something will happen when you truly do that. When you truly say yes to God, when you truly say yes to the removing of the lines and the boxes, when you truly say yes to the reality of being one in Christ, then something will happen to you that will revolutionize your life and your vision will not be two boxes, your vision will be one thing that flows together totally and completely. There's a wholeness about this that when received and believed will enable you to find a very satisfying place in your soul because you will have become one with all things because the lie of the line has been dissolved in the revelation of the Christ that has been activated by your yes. 
I'm going to pray just for a moment. Maybe in your heart you want to say to God, look, just a big yes, a big yes from me, please, a big yes. I believe that in my yes there will be a fruit and that fruit will be a manifestation of what I am not seeing right now becoming reality and seeing. So Father, you're with us. Holy Spirit, you're with us. May every yes that goes up today be the open door to remove the lie of separation and the line of separation and to release the fruit of that yes, which is always Christ made flesh in our lives in the earth in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.